Yes. Okay. Yeah, I'm ready. You had some questions about puppies. No, yes. Uh, today's topic is puppies. Uh, uh, and uh, yeah, what is special about puppies? Why is the difference between having a puppy and a grown up dog? If you're going to teach it or just uh, yeah, have a dog. The main difference is uh, that you get a lot less sleep when you have a puppy because they wake up many times <laughs> during the night. No, but a difference, but the main difference, uh, if you're talking about puppies on a, now we have to sort of, what are we talking about? The puppies at school, like uh, if you teach puppies, you mean, if you yeah, have a Yeah, pup, yeah, if, if there's one big difference, uh, you can say from a dog trainer perspective. Yeah, it is that puppies have very, very short uh, um, uh, ability, very little, uh, sorry. Concentration span. Exactly, thank you. Very, very short. And it's so short that we almost can't believe it. I mean, it sounds ridiculous, but really it's true. It's, it's 30 seconds, half a minute. So it means that you can repeat once or twice if you really want to learn the puppy something. I mean, it might look like they have more, but they will very easily go from start to be um, uh, less concentrated and typically will start uh, playing or fiddling or doing other uh, behaviors. Fiddling, you know, like uh, biting the leash or just pretending they're very busy doing something else that's fiddling. So, so you, we can conclude that a dog, that puppy has the same concentration span as a man that is listening to his wife talking about clothes. <laughs> that's a very good comparison. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. Or shoes for that matter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah. the concentration is very low. So that's why when we talked about this uh, last weekend as well on my Q&A, we were talking a little bit about how long should a puppy class or a, a, an activity with a puppy last. And I, and I want to talk a little bit about that because that's, that's no right or wrong answer. We need to find out, we need to try out different things. But remember that for the puppy, I mean, 10 minutes training in a day altogether is enough. Is it depending on the, how difficult the, the task you're giving the puppy is as well? Not really. Because okay. training is concentrating is concentrating. Okay. But of course, if it's something that the puppy knows really well, uh, then it's not learning something new. Oh, it's yes. But I've... Because I was thinking when you're talking about my max ten minutes, I I thought if if we are doing something that is demanding more of the dog, we we maybe should shorten the time. So let's say if normal is ten maximum ten minutes, if it's really difficult, max five minutes. Can you yeah, say that? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, doing a day not in one go for a puppy. No. Yeah. Ideally, of course. The yes. thing is that if you do, if you repeat something too many times, you know, they end up not learning anything <laughs> after all. So it's better to do once uh, or twice a good recall uh, or even a, um, an attention sound once or twice that they can understand um, and they really get instead of typically when something is going well, we try one more time. Oh, it was really doing well on recall. Let's do it again. And I, you should always stop before the puppy is showing any signs of being um, uh, tired of the training. So you can say if you're, you say maximum like 10 minutes and maybe less, and you can, you can actually start working with the goal to the first time the dog, the puppy is doing a right thing, then stop. Yeah. Even if yeah, it's yeah, yeah. after two minutes or, or you have to 
give or stop it after yeah maybe five to ten minutes and then but if you get a good yeah thing um, then cut it out in uh, yeah it's very important to have a lot of breaks and uh, on my courses when i did puppy courses <clears throat> i call them sniffing breaks Okay, uh, yes. I just I just call them translated into English um, uh, sniffing breaks, which means really that you need to ask the owner to take the puppy somewhere out of the area that you are uh, training something and let the puppy be on a long lead and sniff and pee and do anything else but training. Anything yeah. else but listening to you so the brain gets a little break. So I would typically ask them to do something uh, like a little, uh, you know, like this, the um, attention sound uh, and then do it twice and then go and have a sniffing uh, break for a couple of minutes. And that's okay. Let the dog sniff. Don't use the brain capacity, mental capacity to do that. Yes, because they're doing something else. And this oh. has been done a lot of research, different research on how they learn and the best way of learning. Some people, some researchers, um, they, they, don't, they don't have the, um, the right or wrong answer. But the one thing that is for sure is that all dogs, all dogs, all ages need breaks. They need more breaks than we normally give them. And yeah. the puppy need more so. But they are doing research. If the if if the dog is sleeping between the between the exercises, or if they put them in the car, you know, mm. um, and or if they go for a walk, or if they let them play, they they try out different ways of doing a, a break, what they're doing in a break, and the whole point is that everything is better than not training too long. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So can you say? Uh that you don't the rest periods there has to be no demands on the dog exactly the, yeah the dog could ideally have to do what it wants by itself and the rest could be very long you know that's why i say for a puppy 10 minutes yeah. all together during a day yeah okay yeah yes. so it's better to to 10 and that's a lot 10 minutes that, that means that you you're training something, let's say 10 times a day, you know, yes. for a minute each time. Yes. Um, so, yeah. Making sense. Something else I was supposed to say, but I can't remember it now. Um, no. That yeah. was with the mental span. Yeah. Yeah. Just max 10 minutes to Lisbeth a day. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I don't know if you agreed or disagreed. Yes. So, yes. and hold on, uh, uh, Jonas. Uh, sorry, I just need to. Yes. Um. So, just to sum it up, that when we are, when you have something with the puppy, it's max ten minutes per day, and. If you're going to train more than once at, on a day, the ideal is to put it out in say five minutes, maybe two minutes each, and not more. Uh, and the the next question to Lisbeth, yep, is how in which age is this changing? How old is the the when? Is you yeah. expanding the ten minutes? Uh, the older they get, the more concentration they they. Um, yeah, uh, they so. they get yes. But However, it, when they're coming into adolescent, like teenage mode, <laughs> yes. and they get a lot of hormones, that that uh, reduces again. Yes, in which age are we just not talking about here? Um. Uh, about five months and ongoing. Uh, five months, they change yeah. uh, with the hormones is taking. Yeah, that's when they. Of... 
Yeah. They, uh, I'm sorry, Jonas. You have to keep yeah. talking for a minute. So that you can compare it with with the with uh, humans, human learning. We were talking about it's the same with children as well. Um, that's we haven't talked about it in in the human learning part because uh, we are not focused on how children learn and that's a quite different way uh, than than adults uh, so all the the human learning part is against young from yeah you can say from the end of the teenage years and up over is uh, the learning parts uh, on human learning on this course. We are not talking about children's and how children learns. So, so there. is your bag, Lisbeth? No, Lisbeth is not back. Um, um, yeah. So, yes. Um, Yes, uh, now I lost it um, totally. So when, when, they, when we do activities with puppies, it should be, um, I think the most, well, I, yeah, I, well, I, I should, I'm thinking, should I say that? <laughs> yeah, in my opinion, uh, we should concentrate on on teaching the puppy how to um, just live with us, like not teach them obedience. I think most people understand that now that we are not teaching obedience as such, but we need to, to teach them uh, how to stop jumping, how to um, be able to walk on a leash and so on. Yeah. And how to cope with the environment. So, so young puppies, they don't really don't need to uh, be taught obedience, like sit and, and stay and so on. They need to learn how to cope with the environment. And now I remember what I was uh, supposed to say. We have to always remember um, that all dogs, they learn better uh, in um, places where they are not disturbed. So your puppy typically is very good at doing the, at the attention sound or even walking on a lead uh, or recall at home or places where you go often with the puppy. But of course, when you come to some place where there are new people, other dogs and so on, the puppy seems like it doesn't know whatever you're <laughs> trying to tell him or her. So a lot of dog owners get a bit frustrated immediately actually when they come on a course or activity. And they are using the, the smacking sound or just a recall and the puppy is not coming. But that is, that is the normal thing. To ask a puppy to, to come for a recall in, in a new environment is, I mean, it's just too much. It's really a surprise if they are able to listen to the recall world, word and actually come. I would say that's more unlikely than likely that they do. So we need to explain that to the dog owner, that all dogs, they need to learn something, the same thing in different environments with increasing amount of disturbances. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's important. So it's like teaching the dog all over again from scratch, the attention sound and recall or whatever in that new place in that new environment. It's like starting from scratch. Yes, and, and, and that's because the dog is learning by associating that things. So if it cannot put it in context in its system one, like in humans, they cannot recognize the situation. Is that right? Have I understand they, right? Yeah, they're not as good as humans let's say we learn how to uh give an example, um make a fireplace yes um if someone learned to make a fireplace in on the beach we humans can actually go you know next time when we're in the mountains or 
somewhere completely different, then mm -hmm. we remember how to make the, the fire. But the yes. dog is more like, oh, this is a new place. So am I doing the same thing? Yeah, the same way here? Yep. Can you learn it by, is it, understand it right, that if you make sure that the, the more things that is recognizable for the dog in the situation, the, the bigger the chance is the dog is recognizing and transferring what it, yeah, yeah. what it learned one place and take it to another place. Yeah. And in addition to that, in addition to the, their uh, lack of ability to be as good as the humans to learn a new thing in different environments, they are also having the very short uh, concentration span and also remember that they have you know their senses their noses are ex overwhelming sense for the dog so when the dog is coming to a new place and then again we have to think especially about puppies that are untrained for this so when they're coming to a new place there's a lot of new smells new people and new things happening so a lot of their mental capacity is already used up, maybe even 80% or even 90. So it's, it's not much left for the puppy to, uh, of mental activity uh, or capacity to actually learn something very new in that environment. And I went to on a, that wasn't long ago that Amber Batson had a, a talk about uh, the brain and how it works in that way for dogs. And she was giving an example. She had a picture of uh, an indoor training area for dogs. And there were eight dogs or something and their owners. And, you know, all the, all the different things in that room. You know, it's the, their sight. They see new people. They see new dogs. They hear. Um, and they hear a lot of, of voices. There's a lot of new um, impressions. It's a lot of impressions. It's like us, but it's more overwhelming for a puppy, of course, because it hasn't experienced this very much yet. Yeah. All right. So we can learn puppies a lot. And that's the good thing about puppies. They're very open to, to new things. I mean, that's why they're lovely to work with in that age, um, three, four months. You know, that it's very, very easy to teach them something. Uh, yes. Because it's all new to them, and they're very happy, go easy <laughs> dogs. They uh, hopefully they they haven't had too many bad experiences yet, and and all these things. So it's very easy to teach a puppy a new thing, but they also forget it easily, and we have to take care of not overwhelming them. Yeah. Yes. That's it, really. <laughs> That's easy. Yeah, no, pro no problem. So the challenge is to put up an, an activity that suits the dog owner. So they want to come because the dog owners, uh, very often they expect it the old fashioned way that for 60 minutes, we're going to walk around in a nice little circle and teach the dog to sit and stay and lay down and do all sorts of things. Um, without any breaks and that's the expectations from a lot of our customers um, so we need to um, I try to write the the content of the course or activity in a way that the owner understand what they're going to learn but I'm not telling them exactly how they're learning it <laughs> oh yeah so um because we can't invite, we can't have a course and say it's for 15 minutes. No one will drive somewhere for 15 or 20 minutes, of course. But you can obviously now with the video from Julia and from Tudid, you can you have a lot of different um, ideas. You get a lot of ideas from them on different activities that you can mix with this recall and walking on leash, for example. Yes. Yeah. Um, yes. Anything else you want to say about puppies? 
uh, very special about hobbies when you as a they have their fear periods typically when they're eight weeks old and four and a half months even at nine months age when they're adolescent dogs they can have those fear periods up till they're two years old actually oh yeah uh, some dogs you don't notice a fear period, but a fear period could typically be from one day to a couple of days where your dog is, or your puppy then, is um, suddenly scared about things that wasn't scary the day before. So they suddenly get scared. For example, the mailbox or even a person in the house or the car outside or a flag blowing in the wind or something that they get easily scared. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then you just need to go on as normal because that is normal. If we then start making a big deal out of this, uh, telling them maybe even that it is scary, then we kind of manifest in the puppy that, oh yes, true, a, a flag moving in the wind is scary. So the best thing to do is to pretend that nothing happened. But we need okay. to be aware of these things as well, that it can happen. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah so I let me know. ask you, um, uh, Jonas, when uh, you got your puppy, what yes. did you concentrate on training? Because you got uh, the, the dogs you have now, the German Shepherds, Nova, you got as a puppy, didn't you? Yes. Yeah, and the other one uh, was an adult dog when you got it. But so, yeah. what did you concentrate on doing with uh, Nova when she was young? No, it was actually because she was. We were going to use uh, train her uh, to to some semi use, mm -hmm. uh, and that so in the beginning the demanding part uh, was uh, contact. With with her and uh, um, reinforcer, like some kind of uh, yeah, what was reinforcing? Uh, I don't know the the really English word for it. I have never have to speak anything English, but it was uh, something that you you can use as a treat or yeah find the right when you want to reinforce the, yeah. the behavior she have mm -hmm. uh, and that was actually what we were training a lot in the beginning yeah yeah and uh, because she had to find people and uh, and uh, and uh, explosives uh, and so we just put it out uh, not so if you find it she was rewarded but in the beginning the first i can't remember how long but we didn't uh, put any demand on it it was just play for her mm -hmm. uh, so yes of course it should be for all puppies yes uh, it, learning should be fun i mean for all dogs learning for people as well yeah, I was yeah. just about to say that. Yeah, it should be fun. Yes, so we, we didn't put any demands on the on the search parts in. I will say before she was a teenager. Yeah, late teenager, I think. And um, one still very um, one of the one of the things that the dog owners are expecting to learn is the sit, that the dog can sit. And I know they have an expectations of, of uh, an expectation of learning that in a puppy class, a typical puppy class. And then what I do is I, when they actually come into the course, I don't, if when I don't start talking about it, if I don't mention it, very few people are, are actually asking when are we going to learn sit? But if they are asking, I explain them why we're not teaching them sit. 
because it's not necessary. They know how to sit. And when they sit by themselves, that's fine. But we don't really, and I explain to them why sit is not a very important um, thing to learn. Um, in some, some circumstances, I think it would be handy to know to, um, that your dog can stay, I mean, stay in one place. But no, if the dog is not, if the dog is standing up, sitting or laying down, to me, it doesn't matter. It's, I no. always use the example, if I'm crossing the street and I'm waiting for green light, of course, I want my dogs to stay next to me, not run out in the road. They're on leash, but they have to stay and wait with me. But I don't ask them to sit or in what position they're staying still. That's up to them. Yeah, and that's, yeah. Same thing with weight. You know, we can teach them how to wait uh, and so on. And again, if they're sitting, standing up or laying down, it's to me, it doesn't matter as long as they're waiting, standing in one place. Yes. And when and you tell that to people, the dog owners, they get it. That's yes. my... Yeah, that's my experience that they, that they start thinking as well. Yeah, that's true. You know, that's true. Yeah. But that is, it's just like when you're teaching humans, if, if you're going to teach humans something difficult, the first thing, the purpose why you're teaching is it has to be clear, especially if, and it can be hard enough to teach people something if the purpose was why you're teaching it's is not clear for them then i can see if you are doubting the purpose and are going to teach the dog you're not can explain but it has to trust your decision yeah. it can be extra hard to do it mm -hmm. i can see yeah and why should uh, my dad's now it's my personal but why should I, uh, a dog that is just a family dog why should it learn commands uh, a working dog is learning Exactly, and that's yeah, that's that's important as well to to know your customers, because yes. we are talking about family dogs. We're not training uh, working dogs or police dogs or anything like or that. Or hunting dogs or or something yeah. like that. That no, that's fine if you want to do. <laughs> yeah, 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 but but you have to why, way. yeah, why why put demands on the dog for. Or something that is not important. Yeah, I don't think your your average um, family dog will ever be jumping in a parachute, for example. No. Or finding explosives. At least my dogs have not needed to do that. No, no, and and they. That's uh, yeah. I can see, and I think that has probably been, uh, I think we have experienced, there was a, a Norwegian TV show that was following the, the Oslo Police Department's dog mm -hmm. unit. And then after that, right after that, there was a lot of owners that wanted, that, that wanted dogs like police dogs, and they wanted to, to have the dog to do the same thing as a police dog yeah yeah but it was a family dog in the we have talked a lot about that but putting demands on the dog uh, and one thing now i that's for my personal we have talked about it and and if you have a police dog one thing you have to take in consideration the police dog is selected for each police dog that is selected there's at least 10 dogs that is not selected because they don't have the mentality they, they don't have uh, yeah the mental capacity they don't fit the job as a police dog just as, as humans it's not all humans that's fitting in the police job and some of the things that the dogs that's not selected as police dog that's what because they cannot handle the the rough commands or or, or the demands yeah yeah the normal demand so why should a, a a normal family dog suddenly being treated roughly as a police dog that's 
making problems. But even uh, even the 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 breeders are different. I mean, you don't get a police dog from from just any breeder. It's special breeders for these kind of working dogs. No, and 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 you can say now I know the the the, the breed I know German Shepherd. German Shepherds is not a German Shepherd. You have two two different lines. You have the the working line, and today it's completely different. Yeah, it, they actually look a lot different today as well yeah. uh, from the one that's used to the shows. And <laughs> also, more importantly, we're not going to just talk a lot about working dogs, obviously, because we're okay. not doing that. But of course, also the working dogs, the hunting dogs, all kind of dogs. When they're puppies, they also they know they know what they're doing when they're training them. They let them play. They let them. They need to be socialized. They need to get used to humans and and you know cars yes. and and they even more so than the family dogs, obviously. Yes, and it's actually the the keyword there's play the first long time. You're not yeah. putting big big demands on uh, on the dogs. So for family dogs, which we are concentrating on, yes. for family dogs becoming hunting dogs in a family, because that's very, uh, in Norway, that's very um, common as well, that families have hunting dogs and they go hunting with their dogs every fall. Mm -hmm. um, the most important thing for the puppies is the socialization part and training of the environment. So to get used to other uh, living beings that they're surrounded with so other dogs different breeds different sizes um, different ages puppies should not only be with puppies they really should be with adult dogs and young dogs young dogs should be around puppies as well yes. um, and remember always that um a sensible adult dog will always be a better trainer than we can ever be for our dogs. Yes. So I would say if I had one tip for a puppy owner would be to find or hope you have a friend that has an adult dog, a sensible, normal functioning uh, adult dog, obviously not a dog with some issues with barking or being scared or fearful or something, then, you know, that's not very... Um, that's not a, the best training partner, but a sensible adult dog that can be with your puppy and help you raise your puppy. Yes. Yeah. It's so much easier. And to be honest, when I've, I don't think I will ever go back. Well, I might do, but having met more than one dog is a lot easier if the dogs are normal functioning dogs. And you get a puppy. The, the, the other will help you really in a big way to raise your dog, your puppy. And of course, you can train and play and do all those things with your puppy, but in very, very short time slots. Also, play. Uh, Julia is think, uh, talking a little bit about that, actually, I think, in her, um, in her lesson. But play should also be supervised because play is not always only play. Uh, and very typically, uh, you see that in puppy classes as well, because they, there's too much things happening that the puppy is getting stressed and stressing pu puppies get more easily stressed than adult dogs. Um, so it's very easy for them to get stressed. And now I'm talking also in a in a, in a kind of a positive way not like bad stress you know but it's just too many things happening they're very excited and they're happy and it's just too much for them and the the very clear sign of a stressed puppy is a puppy that starts humping on another dog and that's something people think is embarrassing and and all that thing but that is really the sign that the puppy is now overtired it's been too much uh, learning or socialization or playing, whatever. It's just been too much. So you should stop the training, the playing, whatever you're doing uh, before your dog is so tired. So it starts humping other dogs or humans or, or uh, 
or toys for that sake, you know? Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, so, and I, mm -hmm. actually, I got a question. I don't know if how much we are coming in on it, but the mental testing part, uh, the mental testing puppies or young dogs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, very short because yes, that's probably very... the next question someone have that. I mean, but should we test? Should we test uh, mentally testing our dog? It's uh, sadly very popular in Norway, and they um, the trainers doing those kind of testing. They are typically advertising that they come from a background in the army. And I'm thinking, why would I mentally test my family dog with some guy in the army? That's my first question. Second of all, uh, well, i let you talk about that, Jonas, actually. But we, we, we were just touching on it uh, a few yes. minutes yeah, ago. Sure. Yeah, but we have for family dogs and they're not trained for people to come out scaring them. And that's what they actually do in some of these mental testing things they really scare the dog and then you have a problem with your dog and then they come back to us to do expensive private lessons with a fearful dog instead yeah and and, and the first thing is you, the people right <clears throat> are they're coming from the military or, or anything if you're not doing a, a mental testing and that's on human as well if you're doing it wrong it could be very harmful in any way and and also why are you doing a mental testing what's the, what's the purpose why are you testing a family dog that is not going out to do anything special yeah. for all the, the the i don't know i have not seen all mental testing but normally you see the same mental testing you use in in military and police if for those i have seen and and those are specific for testing the dog if they can handle to be a police dog or a military working yeah, dog. Yes. And, and why are you testing family dogs for the same things? Yeah. Yeah. I know there's some different uh, mental testing as well for 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 bird dogs, dogs that's being used to handling hunting and bird hunting and they different they they actually test for something diff totally different they test for for the purpose and you cannot say it's a, a whole mental testing they just test a little bit to see where their skill level in in bird hunting is in nothing else and i have a very good argument for this it's um enriched environment we are already testing them mentally. Yes. And we can see so much from, and you know that you did it in level one and level two. Um, when you do enriched environment, you can read a lot out of the, of the dog and the puppy, of course. And I did a um, four day, full, full four days of, of uh, enriched environment with Turi Drugos some years ago. She has always some projects going on. And I was lucky enough to be able to sit next to her for those four full days, watching puppies, senior dogs, adult dogs, dogs in all ages in an enriched environment. And that is mental testing as well, because yeah, well, we talked about it level one and two. You know that you can see how the, the dog is approaching different, uh, items and people and other dogs and so on how it reacts so that is a very good way of mentally testing that's what we're doing when we're doing um private uh, consultants with the uh, dogs that has behavioral problems we are seeing them in a, in an enriched environment to find out what you know how their personality is yes and isn't there also testing when or observe when you are observing them to a passing course or and it's not puppies you know i know that but but later on when you're you're seeing them how they they behave when they are doing passings of other dogs and so on that
that's also some kind of testing to, to yeah to yeah. normal would, family dog the more you know and i think everyone listening to this podcast now knows now that the more we the better we are at reading their language the less testing we actually need yes and yeah. and, and also that that's a point i have done when we had talked about it earlier the one with testing if we're comparing to to people it's not all people that can be special operation soldiers or or so on and that's that's because you're testing them very hard and some people they will also break if they're testing them that hard and that's the same with the dog why would you be tested as a special operation soldier if you're not going to be it? Yeah. And again, they don't come from the same breeders. They don't come. No. Nothing is done the same way as with the pack. Uh, no. So it's and it, it's very hard. You can see uh, on the, the, the working dog side, there's very few, few uh, breeders that actually is used uh, for the top level. Uh, yeah. You working dog because they have to be to, to be so picky because it's so hard to get dogs that can handle it. Yeah, yeah. So to expose a family dog for the same thing as a a working because they actually, dog. They here in Norway they actually test them also with like gun shooting, like to see a puppy's reaction when a gun goes off, and I'm thinking. I luckily I don't live in a in a country where we have guns going off, um, you know. Unless you live nearby, uh, what you call it, a shoot. I do that shooting range area. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, in in you can say it's okay. Maybe it could be okay to test at, at uh, a hunting dog, but but what's the purpose to test or maybe scare? A family dog that, is n that has no uh, chance yeah. in being exposed to it in in a working environment, and, and another thing is, if you you have to build up to something like that, if you just yeah, no, that's a long uh, yeah. I think we have been around it. But I am not sure. I'm very interested to hear from from uh, you, not you, but the your, the students, everyone. Uh, what it's like in your country is about mental testing of, of dogs, family dogs. Because I really don't know what it's like in other countries. What I do know is that in Norway and also in Sweden, um, they have a lot of people love this mental testing, which is, I don't know, it's just a thing. Um, and we get a lot of them on our courses or private lessons because they have scared the dog. Typically, um, they have a teenage or like a young adolescent dog, five, six months old. They take them into a barn or a dark hot place inside. And there is a man who's actually doing this. He's um, jumping out of somewhere with a white sheet covering him like a ghost. And I would be scared if that happened. And, you know, the problem is that they scared the dog very much so. And imagine again, that they can have the fear periods as well. So if you do that on the wrong day, then you really have problems later on. Because we get these dogs into our training center, which is a similar kind of hall. It's a bit darker inside and so on. And they're already scared to get into the training hall because of that. So, so if we have to summarize, if, if if you somehow is going to have any kind of test, you you have to find a one that is know what they're doing. They have to test for the right thing at the right time. If anyway, in in the with the right test, dog, <laughs> yeah, and why test put a, a a family dog in a, in a situation? Hopefully, you're not walking your dog in places where there are strange men walk uh, jumping out of the wood with with covered in a white sheet i would no. say 
No. I would be from walking in such an area. Yeah. And, and it's a good example to, to transfer something out of context and use it in another context. Because th this test is, is coming from the military and the police where you have doc that is pre-selected. They have, you have some smaller testers before and so on. And then you take that the same kind of test and take it out of the context and use it in another setting. Yeah. Totally out of context. And remember what we started this uh, podcast with explaining that dogs, they need to experience something in different settings to get used to it yes. and to learn it properly. Otherwise, it's just being something very new to them. And yes. in this case, very scary as well. Yes. So, so yes. Don't so my advice is just don't do it. <laughs> no. Uh, build a nice enriched uh, environment, invite other puppies uh, to your house if you have a puppy and adult dogs find a good, um, stable, I mean sensible adult dogs for your puppy to be with and concentrate on, on teaching your puppy how it has to uh, behave in our society with not jumping, not, you know, Peeing inside, obviously, we have to house train them and so on. And uh, walking on leash, attention sound and these kind of things. And, and, and that's enough, enough for a normal family dog. Why start training them to something they don't need? Yeah. Testing them for something they don't need. Yeah. One of the most important thing, I think, though, what they need, the family dogs, uh, is recall. Yes. Because that's that's about safety, so that should be um, that should be uh, something that you do teach them all yeah. the way, not only when they're puppies. <laughs> no. And handling skills, like to uh, clip their nails, to cut their nails, to check their teeth, maybe even brush their teeth, check mm -hmm. ears, and so on. Yes. Yeah, and. I would say, also, I would add, I know a lot of people are taking their dogs to dog shows. So then they need to be handled by uh, people they don't know, strange people, strangers. So that might be something you would like to teach your puppy as well, if you want to do that kind of activity. Yeah, but I don't know. Maybe it could be a good idea that it's getting used to other people as well. Exactly. I don't know. Yeah. So yeah. Normally. But a lot of rest a lot of rest when you get your puppy when it's eight weeks old it can have it can uh, have the need to sleep for up to 20 hours a day when it's eight weeks old and when it's um well, now I can't remember, was it seven or eight months old it's actually a 16 hours so it's still a lot uh, Gerlin is writing here in Estonia I have never heard of that kind of mental testing especially for pet family dogs. It sounds so unnecessary, which is good. I love the, <laughs> I yes. love it if you don't do it. <laughs> yes. That's so don't start uh, doing it either. <laughs> yes. I don't know why this is so popular here in uh, Scandinavia. No, but that's what I'm most curious about is why haven't you find uh, a, a scientific way to do now we are saying testing and, and I'm not laying in the same term, but find a way to, to do this kind of mental, uh, yeah, you can say, you can call it tense testing or something in a way that is more normal for the- Like in that, the environment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, that you find a standard to, to testing the dog for what it needs to be tested for instead of, just taking something out of the context and use it uh, to something that's not meant for. Yeah. If you need to test it. Yeah, exactly. If you need to test it in um, the test, and you can say if you, yeah, no, no. It's just unnecessary. So yeah, they're not doing it in Estonia, which is very good. Um, yeah. If any other people from other countries would like to. to to write a comment later, I would. I'm just curious. That's yes. why you can write it in uh, 
when you're listening to this podcast, uh, if you're not here at, uh, live, you can write it uh, in uh, Teams in, um, in the Nordic Doctriner uh, group there. You can write so everybody can see it. Yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, and we will put the link from the, uh, if you have found this and not hearing it live, you have found the link to, to it. Uh, yes, and then I had a question actually from uh, from a student as well. Uh, yeah. I promised to ask you. It is that it's it's totally different. Uh, we, we can round this uh, podcast podcast off with this uh, question. Uh, and I was to ask, what if you are out walking your dog? It can be you, let's say it is a puppy, but it could be a dog dog as well. What are you doing if someone? just some of the other stock is coming running to you they don't have it in a lease or they lose it uh, lease or yeah the dog is free yeah. that's just coming up and you don't know uh, maybe the dog is showing aggression against your dog or yeah you can see the situation mm -hmm. a loose dog is coming up to your dog and maybe attacking or or scaring your dog what are you going to do oh you you just I, I get this question quite a lot but it really i'm so sorry that i don't have a standard answer for this other than you need to do what is best in that exact situation um i have uh, had this happen to me once i mean many times of course um when i was living i believe me or not i have been living where other people are living as well so i lived in cities and towns with my dog um and uh, we met uh, dogs off leash with no owner that's even worse yeah yes once i had um i actually managed to lift my dogs i had two dogs over the fence of a to a garden I had no okay. idea the owner of the garden, but I had to remove them. The, the most important thing I would say is to always be aware of what's happening around you when you're out walking your dog. Yeah? yeah. So you should really use your eyes so that you have less chance of something coming as a surprise. Things can always happen as a surprise, always to all of us. That's life. So what do you do in a situation like that? I don't know. If you have treats, I would throw treats towards the other dog. So the other dog would, you know, maybe hopefully be more interested in the treats. Uh, sometimes it's better to let go of the leash of your dog um, and so on. The thing is that most of the time, most of, not always, but most of the time dogs are okay with each other they know each other's languages and they can solve this by themselves so if we keep quiet and let the dogs solve with their calming signals and so on it the, the, a lot of times the problem starts when we get involved we start shouting screaming whatever we do or even touching other the other dog or your dog that's when it's uh, I have to be careful what I'm saying because we, again, you, you never know what kind of dog you do meet. So, um, but most of the times it's okay, even though the dog you meet shows distance increasing signals, they can resolve it without a fight because that is in the nature of dogs. So we but need to trust the dogs a bit better without how kitchen. it's influencing your dog if it's in a leash and the other dog is free is that influencing their exactly. interaction so that's why you should consider maybe you should let go of the leash because it's always not always there's no like uh, no, yeah. but but the chances are better best if both dogs are off leash and have the proper distance the worst situation is one dog uh, on leash in a very narrow space. Yeah. Yes. So it's cornered. Yeah. 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 That makes sense, doesn't it? Yes, I think so. Yeah. 
Um, ja. Ja. Yeah. I do And get that question quite a lot, but that's that's worst case scenarios. But for for many people, because this is in 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 our Norwegian courses, this is really um, not very common because in Norway we don't have any stray dogs. But of no. course now in Mexico and other places, not Mexico. I, I was I had. A, ja, <laughs> Uh, capable of solving these problems themselves. But what if your dog is a puppy? Is there something special you have to take in consideration? Um, no, not really. Other than that, with this, with a very young puppy, I would not be very far from home because they're not supposed to walk no. very much, very very far. Um, Will it be okay to lift it up? Mm, that's the thing. That, that would be the last resort. That's the last thing I do, really, the last thing I do, because especially, I mean, I would, I, I'm not recommending that as a, because imagine if there was a really aggressive dog or a dog that was really going to attack, if you lift your dog, it will still attack. It will attack you and your dog then. Ooh. So you need to get, I don't know, I'm just thinking loud now. Maybe you should take the leash off uh, your dog and put it on the other one. Maybe if you could do that. If you can do that, I would yeah. maybe try to do that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There, you just mm -hmm. probably also depend on the size and what kind of dog the other one is and how aggressive it is. And yeah, that's why it's impossible to answer. Yeah. Uh, but you can put a. You can use the leash and put it around and I'm not, this is really not, I'm not going to go into this, but this, this is really, that's emergency cases. Yes, this is emergency we are talking yeah. about. We are not talking about, and and to make clear, if you have emergency, the purpose is not to learn any of the dog, anything. This is to avoid a serious situation. So it has no learning for other persons than you and maybe yeah. the other owner. It's the only one that can learn something. The dog cannot learn anything from this situation. And the thing is, uh, we talked a lot about this, you and I, Jonas. Yes. Um, the thing is that if there is an emergency situation, I am not trained for different emergency situations. So I just go by my instincts. Yes. So that's why I say you just need to find the best solution there and then. And what that is depends on where you are, what kind of dog. There is, are there other people around? Do you have any treats in your pocket? Um, are you able to read the, the other dog's language? Or are you just maybe yourself very um, nervous because you had uh, something happening to yourself and your dog in the in the past? You know, there's a whole lot of factors. Yes. So what do you, do you have, do you have an answer for this? Uh, no, I think it also depends on the situation and, and Yeah, I don't have any answers on that. So what would you do if you had a puppy, a young puppy, uh, and you um, you were happily walking around uh, like on a field or something where you live, and there was a stray dog, a dog that escaped, one, a hunting dog that you weren't sure of. What would you do? And the owner wasn't there. Um. Yeah, if I, I let's see how the puppy is. Uh, but if I if I think the dog, uh, the other dog is attacking, I think I, I somehow would try to protect my my puppy, uh, my yeah. young dog. Yeah. And that depends on yeah. But the one thing I I by experience, if you're going to interfere in protecting your dog. You can expect to be bitten. Yeah. If if it is attacking, yeah. It's, I'm just saying because I have seen 
and this is in in working situation, but I have seen people lost lose control of the situation because they didn't expect to get bitten, and yeah. then they worsen the, they escalate the situation. So one thing I will say is that if you're going to interfere, a dog that is really attacking, don't be surprised if you're getting bitten. Yeah, that will happen. Also, that will, yeah, yeah. Um, also. That's a whole different subject. But um, sadly, I've had this experience with my own dogs. I had a dog that um, broke his leg when we were out walking in the woods. I mean, broke really broke it. Like it was just hanging there. And the, the dog was in an incredible uh, pain, of course, and scared and all this kind of thing. And, and that was a small greyhound, uh, Italian greyhound. So I carried him knowing, and I was bitten. Of course I was bitten all the time. He tried to bite. He was in shock. He was in pain. So yeah, be prepared for that. But that, no, this is not a nice podcast anymore now. <laughs> no, no. No, and no, that's, no. that's why... And, and uh, there's a lot of, if you're buying, uh, I haven't seen civilian uh, first aid kit for dogs, but in all military uh, first aid kit for dogs, there's something to put around uh, the nose and the mouth of the dog to take care of, of the bidding. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And but that's really onto something totally different. And yes. you are going to have, you have a first aid course, don't you? Yes. Level three. Yes. And uh, yeah. Now it's so, total. Yeah. To answer that question, it's impossible to answer. <laughs> yeah. You just have, and one of the things I, I say if, if you're going to, don't panic because the dogs also know, can feel your panic, especially your own dog, if it's a young and dog. Yeah. That will worsen the situation for the dog because it gets more stressful for the for the young dog or any dog if you're getting stressed. So, so I would calm. say my advice would be to really try and, and choose carefully the, the places, the areas that you walk yes. your dog. Yes. You, you need to prevent. Yes. And, prevent and, and, and one thing that's something else dear to me in any situation the walking with headphones and and so you don't have situational awareness when you're talking walking your dog it, it can be every time you're doing something with a little risk uh, it can be running or anything you in but in especially in this situation i think is if you know there can be other dogs maybe it's not a good idea to walk with headphones and noise cancelling headphones and Listening to this than I when you do it, because <laughs> your situational awareness is falling. It's very low in that situation. So you will be suddenly there can be a dog because you can't hear it. And I've been uh, I I have developed very good uh, skill set uh, checking the environment when I walk with my dogs because I often have them off leash and you're allowed to do that. And I want to be able to hear. I want to hear when there is a moose or elk around, or uh, you know, some here in reindeer, whatever. Yeah. Um, and so I never walk with. Uh, and I love music on my ears. So if I didn't have, when I didn't have dogs, I always went for walks with music on my ears. But now with my dogs, I never do it. It's the same thing with with reading. It's a lot of people checking and talking on their mobile. A yeah. lot of people are actually using their walk with their dog to call a friend. That's when they have time to call their friend. So now I just need to say this before we finish. And this goes for all dogs, all ages. They deserve to have our full attention when we're walking our dogs. Actually, for I have yeah. taken a note. I will ask, can the dog feel the, 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 the dog feel that you're not giving them attention on the walk? Yes, yes, yes. Um, now I can't remember what paper, um, but I have uh, read, they're doing studies on this now because it's uh, with, the, with the internet and everything and people are so attached to the mobile phones um, that really it's not recommended because they can feel that we are not uh, there giving them the attention. Yes. 
doesn't have to be attention, like always talking to the dog, but it's, it's different, isn't it? If yes. you drive a car and the person next to you is, is on the phone, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's the same thing with a dog. And if the person that driving is the car and is on the phone, you know. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. No, but that, that just goes for all of us. Please yes. stop. Tell, tell your customers to not use the, that time of the day when they're walking their dog to actually call someone. Even though that's their only time of the day to call someone, then they have to make a choice. Maybe it also could be a mental health issue for the owner that they get the mental break by walking the dog oh, as well. Definitely, yeah. Yep. yeah. Okay, but now we're really talking about every uh, other thing the puppy Yes, is. but so uh, <laughs> it's like this with the unscripted podcasts. We are yeah. just talking and talking. So, and you hear a lot of our opinions. Yes, that's, uh, and that's why it's it's very informal. That's not directly connected to the other we can no. just say something that's we say this and this and this lesson, but this is very informal. So there that will get some of our opinion in there. Yeah. yeah. Yes. If you have any questions about puppies in general, um don't hesitate to to um write in teams so everyone can see that's always the best if you have any questions uh, there's very likely other people wondering about the same thing so the best thing is always to write the question so everyone else can also see it so either uh, in simplero uh, underneath the the lesson or in teams in the general discussion um yeah in nordic dog trainer not in your own group then it's only your yeah. own group that can see it. So do it in the Nordic Dog Trainer group. Okay. Yeah. And then can we remind them of, um, I want to remind them of a Q&A that we do. Uh, let me just check Thursday, um, the 8th of July, the 8th of July. So in a couple of weeks here on Zoom. Uh, at uh, eight in the evening and also three weeks later on the 29th. I wrote yes. you an email about it, all of you. So we have a Q&A as well then. Okay. Perfect. Yes, and the first aid course, uh, there's some summer extra. Uh, it will be up from the 1st of July. It will be online. So in Simplero. So the recordings from it, you can go in and look at the lessons and then there will come some dates for the Q and A's in late July, proper day where we put up Q and A's. So you, you, have, you have things to do this summer if you want to. Yes. Yeah. And it's not mandatory. It's total voluntary, uh, just something extra to the summer. Good. I appreciate yes. that. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, have, have a good weekend. Yeah. You too. <laughs> yes. Bye. Bye.